peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Isn't it wonderful having the Orange County Harp Troop with us this morning? Nine harps. Isn't it great? You're going to wish that you could sit up where I sit and watch what I can see. At the end today, maybe you want to come a little closer and see what it looks like. But let's turn and greet one another for right now. have to stop it's okay we welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church especially if you're visiting with us today we're just delighted that you are here with us on each one of the pews near the center aisle there is a friendship pad it's a black folder and we'd love to have you fill it out and let us know you're here today and then pass it down the row so other people can do that too you can see our announcements that are inside of your bulletin Today at 11.30, the people who are new deacons, the ones who are just becoming deacons, are going to be meeting downstairs in the youth center for lunch and some training. The, the sign-ups for our women's retreat begin tomorrow. They are all online. Our women's retreat will be in March. You can read about it in here. And our theme is, Won't You Be My Neighbor, a la Fred Rogers. It is going to be a wonderful retreat with Pastor Lisa Smith. I encourage you to sign up and to go ahead and do that quickly because as you see by reading this, there is a deadline that we have at the place that we're going. Next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we have an adult education offering. Fotos Romeos from Greece is going to be speaking. He is the one who has arranged our tour that some of us are taking this spring. And he will be talking about not only uh, the Apostle Paul in Greece, but also some of the issues that Greece today confronts. Our children are signing up for their homework club, club three to five, and moms are signing up for our MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers group. If one of those things is something that might fit you, you can see the information about how to sign up, or you can go online uh, to our website and do that. And our third Friday group invites to you to join them on Friday, January 18th, to hear John Moore talk about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It is also a potluck, and so you need to sign up so that we know who is coming and can set you enough places. There will be a blood drive on January 30th. It's not in here, but Sandy Grimm has a table out on the patio or in Tankersley Hall to avoid any sprinkles and wants you to sign up to help with uh, the Red Cross blood drive that is that date. We have three new members as of today, and their picture is inside of the Connections. Um, one of them, Ed Peterson, was here in the first hour, and I'd like to introduce the other two to you. Valerie and Ken, would you stand up? Valerie and Ken Wallace, welcome. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we are grateful for your presence, your goodness, your invitation to come and be a part of your community, your kingdom. We are grateful that you have demonstrated and shown yourself in Jesus, who has been born as one of us, and for this Christmas time where we recognize Jesus' presence. And so we ask that during this worship, you might invite us into participating more fully in who you are and what you call us to do. And we give you thanks and we offer our praise now through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Oh, come, let us worship the Lord and consider what wondrous things God has done. The Magi who study the heavens follow a guiding star. Oh, come, let us worship the Lord and consider what wondrous things God has done. The peoples who live in the shadows see a glorious light. Oh, come, let us worship the Lord and consider the wondrous things God has done. The Christ who embodies the word unveils the hidden plan, making us joint heirs of the promise of salvation through the gospel. O come, let us worship the Lord, for God has done wondrous things. Let us stand and praise God together.
last line of what child is this calls us to confession. Good Christian fear, for sinners hear the silent word is pleading. Because Christ intercedes for us with the Father, we dare to come to him and tell him the truth about ourselves. Let us pray responsively. God of light, we have been so blind when the truth has been so clear. You called us to look beyond us, but we only looked at ourselves. You showed us the big picture, but we refused to look. You gave us your spirit to guide us in your way, but we followed our own leading. Forgive our dim apprehension of love's clear leading. Give us faith that trusts when it cannot see through the light that lingers when all else fails. Bright morning star of our faith, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we bring to you now the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, God has caused light to shine in our hearts. The light that is knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we receive the salvation of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
The Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah. Hear the word of God. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our morning psalm is Psalm 62. For you, O Lord, my soul in stillness waits. Truly, my hope is in you. We'll sing it through once, and then we'll sing it through together.
And the word we want to read from the gospel is from Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, that is Herod the Great, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay homage to him. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Judea, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, or by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. When he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and also pay homage to him. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that had been seen since its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, And they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. The word of the Lord. And so, Lord, as we now discern your word, may you teach us the way that you want us to live so it is faithful to your word in a pattern of following our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. As Beth said, Epiphany is the 12th day of Christmas. We even have songs that numerate gifts for 12 days. It is on Epiphany that we celebrate not the manger scene, but the home scene of the little one, Jesus. We don't know how old he is. He's a child. And these magi from the east have come to find who he is. As we look at the artwork on the front of our bulletin, it's not exactly historically accurate. We know artists have some flexibility how they interpret scenes. The wise group had visited the home of where Jesus was living. Those from the east, the very word east means those that come from the rising of the sun. Easterners come from the rising of the sun, much to our frustration as Californians. We are in the setting of the sun state. Let us not forget that. They were people of the sun, of the light, and of the stars. The Persians and the Medes were people who studied the stars, and they read the stars. They were the first group of astronomers to be called astrologists. They were astrologists and sorcerers. 
what the Bible identifies and condemns as really bad people. Let us not forget that. In this story, they're really good people. It's important that we understand the tension that exists in Scripture itself around the Magi. How can really bad people be so good? And that's one of the contrasting issues in this text that's so striking. It isn't just the appearance of new light. It is that new light reveals that bad people can be good and good people can be really bad. And it doesn't have much to do with the identification markers of their religion. Let me say that again. It doesn't have much to do with the identification markers of their religion. It has to do with their passion and desire and integrity to seek who God really is, even from their own perspective. The Old Testament is full of condemnations toward the Gentiles. The New Testament is centered in embracing the Gentiles. And so we've gone from a perspective of the people of God who say Gentiles are bad, 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 to people who are saying, you know, God really likes those Gentiles and wants to bring them in. Gentiles, after all, see the light. But if you notice who doesn't see the light in this text is King Herod, Jerusalem, the chief priests, the Pharisees, and the scribes. They are missing the light. Those are the religious insiders. They're the Christian leaders of their day. So let us not forget the controversy that this text really raises for us. Insiders often don't like outsiders. And we can identify several cases in point. As many of you know, I've had the opportunity to pastor in several different parts of the country. In God's interesting sense of humor, I've been able to pastor in communities that are in Dallas, Texas, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Ridgewood, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C., or in other words, the homes of the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Redskins. I have been, in a sense, a chaplain for all four team fans. And sometimes they really do need a chaplain. Now, recently I ran into a map. I'd never seen anything like this map before. It's called the NFL State Haters Map. It is an analysis of the United States according to which states hate which teams. And there are three states that hate the Cowboys. And I'm a Cowboys fan. So guess which states hate the Cowboys? Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Virginia. And I've lived in all three states. I have been the outsider, not only in the state, but in those stadiums. I am persona non grata. I am a Gentile among those who have been saved. And so I know what it's like, and I'll bet you do too, those moments where you thought you were an insider and you find out, no, you don't belong to this particular religious group like a football team. By the way, there are many who say, you know what the contemporary worship contexts are, the great stadiums of the United States. It is a confrontation of stereotypes, assumptions, and it is a reversal of our understanding of the nature of loyalties and at the heart of how we should understand bigotry. Jews, according to the Old Testament, are chosen and saved. According to the New Testament, the Gentiles also are included, much to the chagrin of those who are loyal to Judaism. 
In fact, King Herod was seen as a bit of a hero of the Judaistic religion. He had, after all, built this wonderful new temple which was more glorious than the previous two. And they admired him for his commitment to restore Judaism to its glory. Now, he also had political reasons for doing that. It made him look good. But it did reinforce this idea that we are chosen by God and those Gentiles are not. They don't have this beautiful place. And they began to say, well, our leader, Herod the Great, is God's chosen leader for our country because he built us a new temple and he has restored our religious practices. There were a few edgy points that they didn't agree with, but generally they were okay. At least he gave us some semblance of our own religious integrity. On the other hand, as we can see in this text, Herod the Great was a tyrant. He was arrogant. He was jealous of competition, fearful of enemies, closed off to any possibilities of other people being included, self-protective, frightened, violent, murderous, not trustworthy. He was probably bipolar and paranoid at the end of his life. But the last years of Herod the Great were the worst. He ruled by intimidation, and we can see in this particular text a story that's been lost in history but still preserved in Scripture that when he heard about that baby Messiah being born, he murdered all the children under two in Bethlehem. There are some people who discount that, but there are others who say, well, that's really consistent with Herod's style, particularly at the end of his life. For example, Herod paid people to be mourners at his funeral service because he had a deep fear nobody would show up. And not only did he pay them, but he threatened them by death if they didn't show up. So choose to die or make, become a wealthy person. Come and mourn at my memorial service. So you know Herod wasn't exactly a good guy. The priests, on the other hand, are priests of Zoroastrianism. They give attention to the stars. They're probably Medes and Persians. However, they are perceived as the scientists of their day. But they are also known as sorcerers, wizard, magicians. And whatever term you might use, for many, many of the godly people, they were not acceptable people in God's presence. However, if we look at this text, we find out these are the ones not Herod, not the priests, not the Pharisees, not the scribes, who were listening to God, paid attention to what God was doing in the universe. They were people of generosity and kindness. And these were the ones that had the joy at the birth of Jesus. And you say, how can this be that Gentiles can do so well and religious leadership can do so poorly? This is at the heart of epiphany. Beware. Those of us who are now on the inside of Christianity, we should not become like little Herods. We should not become people who are more concerned about protecting ourselves against the enemy. We should not become people who are better at condemning people different than us. We should not become people who have name-calling and shaming attitudes and blaming attitudes towards other religions. I hope we get this. Many of us have come from other religions and other nations, and we have been welcomed in, not that so we can become exclusivistic and isolationalist, but that we can be inviting to others who may not have our religious perspective, but they are hungry to know God. And there are many people in the recent years who have realized that it's not so much about their creed as it is about their desire to seek God. It says here that Herod was 
troubled. That's a very nice word for the real word that's there. Actually, he was shaken to the boots. He was greatly disturbed. He was steaming mad and he was terrified. He was in a very stormy disposition and it says all Jerusalem was with him in that. Now that's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Can you picture it? Put yourself in a situation where you are with a leader who's very upset and you're a part of the entourage, the family, or the corporation, or the gathering of people who actually are a part of this leader's domain. When that leader is upset, how is everybody else around that leader? They're concerned. Because if the leader goes off in a way that's not helpful, heads might roll. And so it is with Herod and all Jerusalem with him. He has an environment that's intimidated by his presence. They're frightened of him. They are manipulated by him and controlled by him. And even though they might be the right religion, they are codependent with him. We insiders sometimes become arrogant about what we know and what other people don't know. I hope this text comes back to us at those times. Because even astrologers can know Jesus. People outside the system, whether they're the system of our government or our family or our church or our pattern of life, our culture, hunger to know God. And it says in Isaiah 60 and Ephesians 3 that God wants to eliminate all the walls that keep us from being connected to each other. God wants to eliminate the separation, as the text says, between Jews and Gentiles, men and women, old and young, between the wealthy and the poor, the powerful and the vulnerable, between rulers and servants. God is including people who we may not think belong. Family systems theory is an important reality in understanding this text. A family system, in an abbreviated way, basically says there are addictive leaders who control systems. And there are lots of people within that system that are codependent to help that leader exist and prosper. Sometimes families can be Herodian environments. My dad was a wonderful Christian man, but he had a dark side. And when he wasn't happy, all the family wasn't happy with him. He was a good man, but he had some high control issues. At holiday meals, when my mother was cooking for sometimes as many as 20 to 30 people for our family, and there was food everywhere, and you can imagine the cleanup process. I had grown up to believe that men don't clean up. And women do. I'm here to say my wife has taught me a different method. <laughs> See, I listen to the Gentiles. So... My wife, who was the outsider of the family, and she was feisty, and my dad noted she was feisty because she wouldn't listen to him and kind of bend at his will. She took me aside one day, where'd you find this woman anyway? <laughs> She's a Gentile. She's a Baptist. My wife said to my mother at the end of one of those meals, Grandma, you shouldn't be having to clean up without a good dishwasher in the house because my mother didn't have an automatic dishwasher. And so she said, we're going to get you one, the ladies of the family. My dad heard about this and quickly came into the kitchen and said, you know, this family already has a dishwasher and its name is Mama. Well... 
that was drawing the boundaries pretty tightly, and the women of the house suddenly rallied around Mama and got her a dishwasher. Now, that's a funny story for a serious topic. Beware when we become the Herods of our families. And we make things really difficult for others. Because Jesus came to make things better for others. As you know, I have followed many pastors in various parts of the country as I've pastored churches and been the interim pastor. And one of the saddest things I've experienced is when I follow a Herod-style pastor. And there are several, by the way. So I've said this several times, and I'll keep saying it as long as I'm your interim pastor. Please don't hire Herod. Not going to be good for the church. People in senior positions who control by intimidation, condemnation, blame, shame, anger, and vindictiveness. And when they are upset, the entire staff and elders are upset with them. Let us not forget that the Gentile solution is that God, in order to deal with Herod, brought outsiders, astrologists in, to show us the right way. And often it's the outsider who has to come into the family or the church or the organization to name the problem and to call us to change. So my question for us today is, are we slamming the door on these Gentile outsiders or are we open? Or are we giving signals that we don't want any of them as a part of us? If so, we have become the Herods, the Pharisees, the chief priests, and the scribes who are towering in fear because Herod is our king and not Jesus. Let us pray. We are grateful for this Christmas event that you would send Easterners from the rising sun to show us when the sun was rising. And so may you guide us with that light, the light of Christ, whom we desire to worship and offer ourselves and our gifts. In whose name we pray, amen. Please stand as we affirm our faith together from the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Amen. As we pray today, there is a response that is not written in your bulletin. When I say, Lord, in your mercy, congregational response will be, hear our prayer. Let us pray. O oh Lord, how grateful we are for the places in life where we do belong, where we find ourselves at home and accepted, in families, in friends, community, here in this church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We are particularly grateful that in life and in death we belong to you, that you cared and intervened in human history, that you acted beyond our human categories to reach outsider Gentiles like so many of us, that when we were not a people, you claimed us as your own and made us your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the midst of the settled security of our own, insider belonging. Give us eyes to see past our assumptions, 
and hearts to welcome those who find themselves outside, for people who are different than we are, for other races, other faiths, other gender, other political views. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus says, in times past, not all the sick and suffering found their way to your side, but had to have their hands taken or their bodies carried or their names mentioned. So we, confident of your goodness, bring to you those whom we carry in our hearts today, the sick, the struggling, those who mourn, praying for your mercy on them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Though this world depends on your grace, it is governed and tended by mortals. So we pray for those who walk the corridors of power in this and other lands. May they make decisions with courage and integrity and resist any temptation to abuse the trust placed in them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And so we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We bring to the Lord our morning offering.
pray. Father, God of love and life, with thankful hearts we acknowledge our lives to be a gift of your grace, renewed every morning and built up every day in your sovereign care. We lift up the offering this morning and pray for your blessing upon it. They'll be used to further your kingdom in Laguna Beach and throughout the world. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Our closing hymn is the first Noel. Thank you. 
And let us not forget that it is Jesus, the Christ, born in the manger and living a life of servanthood and willing to suffer and die that is the light of the world. And that all people are attracted to that, to him. So let us not block the way. Let us make the way open and smooth and clear. And let us ourselves see the light and walk in that light as we invite others to come and see the light from their own perspective. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us go together as the light of the world. Amen. Amen.